the highlight ace. Really, what he needs to do is leap up. All time, hit it slow. Takes a big high line drive down the line. You have entered our drive. Hi, hi. Hello and welcome to the Highline Warm-Up. This episode we will be covering the Margaret River Pro. We're going to have a quick chat about the waves, the differences between main break, the box, north point. We'll talk about last year's results and we'll also talk about forecast, any predictions and what we expect to happen in the men's and women's. Stay tuned. The Highline Ace. All right, welcome to the Highline. Hello again, Nick, two times in two days. G'day, mate. And Lukey, thanks for joining us again. How you been? Thank you, boys. All right, so we're going to give a bit of an introduction to the, the Margaret River Pro in this episode of the Highline. We'll start just by talking about, you know, the comp. It's, it's one of my favorite events on the schedule based on, I suppose, just having an abundance of waves in the area. Having surfed over there before, I know what it's like to surf, and it's kind of good to get that perspective on it, but... I think a lot of people do write it off as being kind of a, a bit of a boring event just because of main break, but I enjoy what it has to offer. Are you guys looking forward to it? I'm looking pretty forward to it. I think it's another wave like Bells where it's a lot better to surf than it is to watch. And because it's so far offshore, it just doesn't really open up for viewership. If it's big, it's going to be sick. Yeah, absolutely can't wait. It's one of the only events on tour where there's three possible options being the box, North Point and Main Break and each wave is completely different and just kind of flattens out that playing field for everybody. It's almost the only event left on tour that's actual open water face wave, like high power, big open ocean type of wave. They've pretty much culled out every other event from here. So it's it's the wave that sort of separates watermen and surfers yeah and you see that you know through the results in the past years as well like a lot of guys who are used to surfing waves with a bit of power in them i mean the hawaiians have had a good track record there with a handful of past winners um from when it's been the ct and also in the qs as well so uh it definitely does lend itself to guys who know how to wrangle a bit of power we'll start just by talking about the waves uh of those those three locations we talk about the most probably powerful one and that'd be main break um you want to run us through that sort of setup nico you get two options in one with main break it's a bit of a shame the lefts don't ever seem to line up for the place but that right you get a couple of good turns that open face first two turns and then gets a little bit steeper as it comes into the inside into probably the most intense and gnarly end section on tour i remember one year john john did a rare under the rock it was below sea level so that is crazy viewing, and I'm pretty sure no one actually would hit that end section unless there was a hundred thousand dollars on the line. Yeah, I was, I was, I've like before I actually went over there. I was talking to a guy that grew up there, and he was telling me that if you knew what that end section's like, there's no way you'd be hitting it. And when I went over there and surfed, I knew exactly what he's talking about. Like that, I think that's why I I do enjoy watching this comp so much, even out of wave like main break, which can seem a little bit slopey at times is you know what's coming at the end and i think it can get super super gnarly and provide some sort of great viewership as well guys just going for it especially if you need a score and the other waves they've got the the box as a backup which is just over the channel luke you want to walk us through that one yeah slab fucking a1 slab 
thing just draws up off the reef and goes square, hence the name The Box, and that is an exciting wave to watch, especially your barrel masters that slide in underneath the lip, backdoor the section and come flying out with the spray. Also good for carnage, which is another good viewing pleasure. Yeah, great for carnage, and I think my favourite thing about The Box is just listening to the guys' cheeky comments in, the, in their post eat about how much they love box and want to go surfing it. So I can't wait for a bit more of that action this event. And the third third wave we got is North Point, which is, you know, 30 k's or so down the coast. So it's not as close to the event side as um, what a lot of people kind of picture it being, just, you know, around the corner. Uh, but it does open itself up to just a, another element, uh, just having that right-hand point break when it's on and you see plenty of videos on it. And there's been a couple instances in the comp where guys have been throwing down some huge scores, just some long draining barrels, but what a lot of people see most of there is that end section and guys just going for huge punts. So that that wave in itself has a lot of dimensions in, you know, you can get barreled, you can do turns and you can do huge punts. So, I mean, between that wave there and then you've got the box, which is more barrels, and then main break, which is a bigger, more powerful open ocean wave, you do get that variety in, in surfers that might excel in these waves. And not everybody on tour is suited to those three waves. So depending on conditions it does make it quite a hard event to to pick and that's why you look at guys who you know might have a bit more range in their surfing even though they might not be that top five they're the guys that may excel just because there's that variety and you get thrown into the unknown a little bit you're trying to pick three events in one here you look at a swell forecast a week out and you think okay maybe some main break possibly some box could go to north point We don't know what they're going to do. We don't know what they're going to decide. But when you're picking a team or when you're trying to you know, choose your favorite surfer, you're thinking, who's good at doing massive hooks? Who's good at getting barreled? Who's good at doing big airs? Who's good at reading the ocean? Who's good at mustering conditions and, and challenging conditions? I think it's a really exciting event in that aspect. Yeah, of course. And it's always going to provide for some great viewing, um, just having that variety. So let's have a look at the some past results. Uh, last year, obviously, uh, the event getting shifted to being the Uluwatu Pro after they had the, the incident with the few sharks in a couple of days. So there's no real results we can go over there, but we'll go back to uh, 2017, uh, which is the year that John John won it. Uh, John John and Kolohe in the final, uh, which was the year where John John absolutely barnstormed through everybody. Uh, just looking at his heat totals through you know the quarter semis and finals, He's, he's gone in the final 19 points, in the semis 19 points, in the in the quarters 18 points, and he had one or two other heats that were in the 19-point range. So I think that Nick was saying earlier that was one of the most dominant displays that you've seen in a competition. Do you expect him to kind of go on and, and do that again? 100%. He's going to do that again, isn't he? Well, as far as I'm concerned, that event was the best surfing I've seen on an open face I've ever. He absolutely schooled the entire competition you just mentioned Kolohe and I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you who else was at that event John John was on an absolute another planet we already sort of saw that a little bit at Bells this year but to me that's the best all round event surfing I've seen yeah of course and I mean John John's track record at, at Margaret River not only in the CT but he won the QS back in 2012 so he has some prior form there uh, I mean John John last year obviously winning it 
Uh, he's had a 13th, a second, and, and another 13th. He's actually not the most consistent surfer at Margaret River. Do you reckon either of you guys could tell me who you think would be the most consistent? Kolohe would be pretty close, wouldn't he? I think he's the one at QS there. So for the sake of my stats and calculations, I only went back in the CT years. Michelle. Bang on. Good God, he's got it. So Michelle, again, we, we recapped him as being the most consistent performer out Karamas over the last couple of years. And I mean, this obviously doesn't always work because Michelle didn't get another second. But uh, yeah, he, he is the most consistent performer here. Uh, and it's not through, you know, he, he did win it in its maiden year back in 2014. But he, he's had a fifth, uh, a, a pair of fifths and a 13th as well. The, the second most consistent surfer on the tour who we won't be seeing this year at Margaret's is Adriano D'Souza, affectionately known as Susie. He, um, he's the second most consistent. And then equally third, you've got Julian and John John. So, I mean, those, those types of surfers, I think, as we were talking about that mold that you see guys that can not only surf bigger, more powerful ways, but just have that range of being able to surf you know, the box and North Point and stuff like that. I think they, they kind of fit into to that mould of being a bit more of an all-rounder too. So as far as, as other guys who've had some pretty impressive results in the past, we've had Seabass who's won it in, in pretty exciting fashion. Back when it was a QS, you didn't attract the same guys that you kind of do now with, with the CT. Uh, it was one of those events where it was fairly highly rated, but you didn't get those really big names a lot of the time. You still had guys like John John and, and that going over there, but that's... I mean, in the last couple of years, more consistent performers have, have been those ones who've been able to adapt to the different ways and different conditions, which is when they've had that uh, ability to go mobile. Just looking, obviously, we'll have a, a look at the women's. So uh, last year in the women's, you had you had Sally getting the win over Tyler Wright, who we won't see this year again in the final. With the women's, it was, it was one of those events where you had your, your kind of top three top four at the time that were that were in the mix you had in the semi-finals you had the likes of Hilo, Steph, Sally and and the, the girl the type of girls you expect to see there this wave really suits those seasoned veteran girls the girls that have been there for the last 10 years or so Sally, Steph, Tyler, Carissa, Courtney Conalog. I think it's going to be very very hard for these rookies or younger girls to break through in this event yeah, I like Courtney's prospects out there. But after seeing Brissa Hennessy's performance in Bali, she had a pretty strong attack and was doing it in pretty punchy waves. So maybe she could get one over a couple of the veterans. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, I mean, that's a, a good case for people that we haven't seen out at Margaret's and, and its surrounding waves is you do get a few sort of spanners thrown in the works. I think Brees is probably a pretty good call for the women's. Are there any rookies that you'd sort of expect to have a good result out there in the men's? Pedersen Crisanto. He's pretty good all-rounder. Or Seth Maniz, who's the Hawaiian, like we are talking about. He's got a lot of power, and he knows how to match power with power. And he's also kind of got that pizzazz to mix it up on the end section or ride the barrel if he's got to go somewhere else and ride barrels, so... Those two guys, to me, have been the two standouts so far. Yeah, I think they're two pretty good calls for... Uh, I mean, for for guys who haven't had a chance to kind of show themselves in a wave like this, I think especially especially Seth. Uh, 
at, at a wave where I mean, if I could pick a wave that suits his surfing perfectly, it would probably be North Point. You know, starting off with a big barrel, being able to show your power, and then just lining up for a huge pun on the inside. Is there anyone else you'd add to that that list? Uh, he's not quite a rookie, but definite dark horse and second run at the tour. Ricky Bobby, I like his chances of swinging under the lip and throwing a few calves. I think the waves could kind of suit his power surfing. Having the three venues to level the playing field a bit, I think he could be a sneaky little shot. Someone we keep overlooking, well, I, I personally keep overlooking, is Michael Rodriguez. He's a, he's a guy I overlooked heavily at Karamas, and he showed up and blew up in that event. I don't know if he's going to be too light-footed for this event, but he might be another guy that just surprises us all and is going to have a breakout year and just dominate at many, many events. Yeah, there's probably plenty of guys you could make a case for there, and I think they're they're two good ones. Going back to to Ricardo, we'll we'll have a look through a few of the first-round matchups in this sorry the seeding round matchups you've got the the steady eddie matchup in in heat seven which is actually ricardo geordie smith and ace buck and i think that'll be that'll be one where there's a a bit of a bit of a wave catching contest but i think if either of those guys can line up on a decent wave depending on where it's at i think it'll make for a good heat of high sevens yeah that's a sneaky good heat on paper mightn't look the most exciting but all three of those guys do pretty well in the West. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any other heats that you've seen that you like the look of, Nick? I really like the look of, of Heat 8 right after Steady Eddie going into Kolohe, Seth, and Freestone. It could be really good to see those guys kind of throwing a bit of fire around the place, depending on, you know, if, if they get a nice little day with onshore winds, you could see some fireworks with airs and stuff, and uh, it could be good viewing. I just had a little glance at Heat 10. That could be other little spicy heat coming through. Ezekiel Lau, he's a big boy. I know he's a bit of a jock, but he throws some water. Wade, we saw what he just did. Hopefully able to open up on a couple of those smooth sort of calves. I know I just picked Emrod as a dark horse, but he's going to have his work cut out straight away. Yeah, definitely, especially if it's in a, a bigger, more powerful wave. I think Wade Wade proved that he you know, has a, a lot more to show, even though you know, you know he's big and you know he's powerful. I think everyone kind of almost underestimates how consistent he is at, at, at being that type of surfer. If he gets the wave, you know he's going to get the score, and he seems to always pop up with on the best wave in the heat. So it's always got to be a bit of a, a bit of a tough one surfing a heat against him. And although it is only the seeding round, I think have you have you seen guys taking that on as a chance to kind of progress through the draw, adjusting their seeds at all, or or do you think it's just kind of a, a way for him to avoid round two i think just if a way to avoid round two not too sure if i'm seeing anybody play kelly slater statistics and getting out the pen and paper and trying to figure out where they're going to end up in the draw i think they're just kind of trying to bypass round two get past the, the dirty turd round i think this is going to turn into another round four scenario round one now where guys just don't go to town they just do enough to get through get through into round three see where they fall and then start going to town they do it on the qs i know the wsl wants to see those good guys surfing more often but i'm still seeing that round one round two even with overlapping heats is a little bit of a snooze fest if guys aren't going 
hard straight away. If it's if they're not doing what it's designed to do, then they might as well scrap it. Yeah. Do Do you think that's something they might consider? You know, halfway through the year and and maybe try and make a few changes to to mix it up a little bit or did you see him kind of going through the end of the year and, and then kind of reassessing it then and maybe either sticking with it if guys do kind of learn how to do it eventually or or just moving on from it and going to a six-month cutoff again? I can't see them flipping it out six months through. I think they're going to wait the 12 months and see how the year pans out, see if people figure it out. I think they need the 12 months to get their heads around it and then they'll probably have their surface rep meeting and discuss it from there at the end of the year at least they've got the double bank thing going for them it might be a little bit sleepy but they get through it pretty quick yeah i think of all the changes made that just the ability to to run two heats at once is is definitely one that is you know it's making the sport better just by increasing viewership so just moving on to the the women's event as well just uh having a look at the round one matchups there there's a few decent little ones there One I like the look of is is Heat 5, Sally, Tatiana, and Silvana. Two Brazilians versus an Australian. But uh, the Sally's proved herself out there defending champ. It'll be interesting to see how she comes up against someone who is used to those powerful waves again uh, in, in Tatiana. And then Silvana seems to always find a way to kind of, you know, bring that hunger and passion through and put in a performance. She's the female D'Souza. She's just a hunger machine she just wants to win so bad just grabs it by the scruff of the collar and just tries to manhandle a win somehow every single time she battles out and it's good to watch i mean it's not the prettiest thing to watch in terms of a style and everything but at least she's hungry and wants to win every single time kind of like a wood chipper <laughs> exactly like a wood chipper the so, other really good looking heat is heat four yeah heat four is another one i had pegged uh courtney versus bruce is going to be a, a great battle to see and i think if macy we've talked about her a bit in the last couple podcasts i think if she can really hit a stride in her form it'd be i mean we know she serves good former world junior champ if she can step up to that level and push it a bit higher i think she's going to be a force to be reckoned with on the women's tour it's just a matter of i think her figuring out you know the ins and outs of the tour and just the difference between that and that progression from junior tour to QS to, to being on the CT is a very it's one that happened very fast for her. So once she figures that out, I think she'll she'll put in a few better performances. Um, so just looking at the forecast as well, the it looks like they're going to be a couple of days late. <laughs> I think the waves are there at the moment. At, from what they're we're seeing on Surfline, they've got a. a a little swell kind of for the first day and then that fades off into the Thursday and Friday where it starts to pick up a little bit but the winds are average. On the Saturday, I think, is going to be the first significant day of competition with uh, with bigger waves, a little bit nicer wind. I think that's based on main break. And then later in the period, there's, there's I mean, it's, it's always hard to judge that far ahead, but I suppose they'll, they'll see how much they can get out on that, that first day when there's still a bit of swell and, and on the Saturday. And then I think it'll, I mean, KP's shown that he's not afraid to wait it out to the last you know, day of the waiting period again. He, he might be up for another one here. Hopefully they punch it out quick. I want to see this event go over really quick if they've got the waves, just get it done. It, Bali is hard where they had that big six-day gap, and I know the WSL don't want to wait KP's done a great job, but I hope they just sort of start and finish this event because I think that's the most exciting feeling for myself. I, I keep 
interested way easier when they just keep running through and it looks like they're going to have the waves in the first week to do so yeah definitely and and what do you make of the short turnaround time between bali and and west oz i know it's only a short flight but just being able to prepare yourself mentally for for that you know quick turnaround and trying to get in that zone of being back to round one and and starting a whole event again is it is there anyone that you think would have an advantage maybe that that got knocked out early over in bali yeah, John John. <laughs> if you didn't say John John then. <laughs> um, and possibly Italo. He probably needs a bit of practice in the West. He probably would have got himself down there quick, quick, smart and figured it out. Yeah, that's a tough turnaround for the competitors. They're completely different climates, completely different waves. And the guys that had to stay back for the final day, they're going to be doing it that bit tougher than everybody else that got down to Margie's early. Is Mount Agung going to have any Agung going to have any impact here? I know it erupted and is causing some havoc on flights. Anyone know if that will have any impact? I just hope that Kelly's got his private jet and just chop it out of there, <laughs> left everyone else behind. <laughs> so long, jerks. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I don't really. I mean, if if it's going to send them back a couple more days, and yeah, it might have a bit more of an effect on those guys. But at the end of the day, you're in Bali. If you're relaxing, then that's probably... It's not a bad place to warm up, I suppose. So there's there's probably worse places you can get trapped in. So we'll, we'll move on again from the conditions. I think the... <laughs> did you want to add anything? I was just going to say, I hope the girls get a run at North Point or the box. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're quite ready with their barrel riding. Some some girls are. Some girls have got a lot lot to go with barrel riding. Sally would win that event when Steph. It would be another Sally Steph final. Yeah, I mean, you saw that in, in the final at at Karamas. There are a couple ways that even even Sally, one of the better tube riders for the women's, um, took off on where you know there were a few ways where you'd expect her to make it, and they looked like fairly straightforward barrels, but. Yeah, I think like you said, it, it. I don't know if it's just the their their tour and you know before now where it's been more amalgamated with the men's. They weren't expected to surf more of those waves, so it's not really something you have to work on. And I think the the surfers that might find that come a bit more naturally, like Steph, are going to be able to excel a little bit easier. I think they're focused on getting their turns and open face works so much better so quickly, and it's probably just one spot they've yet to sort of figure out and work out yet that being said throwing them in there and seeing what happens is is the the best way they're going to be able to learn i suppose like you said luke i'd love to see it happen and just to see you know see what the outcome is i suppose yeah for sure if it's six foot box i mean they've got to get out there don't they you'd hope so so i mean the us especially with the forecast and conditions that is going to dictate largely the outcome of the event because there are certain ways that are going to suit people more more than others so we'll talk about our own predictions and and what we think who who do you peg luke to i want to hear three people from you one one at each location but mainly focusing on one where where you think might go all the way steph steph sally carissa would do pretty well and and maybe courtney that's four, but yeah, <laughs> hard to hard to split. Carissa and Courtney, I think, probably on the next step behind Steph and Sally in barreling rights, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and who do you pick to to take it out out of those girls overall? 
I think Steph's probably going to be on a heater and barreling waves. She's the best at it. So, yeah, I can't see anybody getting past her if it's five-foot barrels. Yeah. yeah. And Nick, for the for the men, I'll ask the same question. Who do you, who do you pick for each location and who do you think is going to take it all the way? I'm going to say Griff Colapinto for North Point. I think he's got a good mix of air and he's pretty good in the barrel that big day at Kira a few years ago he really showed what he could do Carmichael for main break he could go to those big power hooks and just decimate the entire lip and or face of the wave and then for the box you got to pick John I think for me he, he's just too good in barrels yeah I think yeah uh, at a wave like that and it's going to depend on who the wild cards are as well. If you get someone like Jack Robbo, who's a specialist out, out, you know, waves like the box, especially, I think they throw another element in there where it's going to be tough to, you know, really pick who's going to win because local knowledge out of wave that's so small and has such a tight takeoff area is going to play a massive part. But I think that's where you see the difference between guys who have surfed it before and are good out there and, you know, the guys that you, you wouldn't really associate with surfing waves like that. So who do you pick to go all the way and take the win? I'm going to say John. Yeah, just on his past record, just on how good he's been surfing. He had a bit of a mishap at Kramas, but I think he's coming back really strong this event. Yeah, He's pretty well suited to all three locations, but I know he's the vanilla spice again, but he's going to be pretty solid. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good call. I'd put John down for North Point if it's going to be solid there. Box, I'm going to go with whoever the wild card is they're, they're going to be a specialist out there especially if it's jack robo uh or any anyone sort of similar to that that sort of mold and then for for main break i'd go with owen just i think one of the one of the more iconic moments for me and and margaret's is owen's really long driving bottom turns on on the back end and how much speed he can gain out of that and and throw not, o- not only turn that into a big turn, but throw power into it as well. I think his ability to be able to do that is is pretty exceptional, especially out there, which is tough to do on your backhand. It'll be interesting to see what the judging's like. Uh, based on Karamas, I think they're going to obviously set their scale and what they want to see, and it's going to be tough for them to monitor that over the, two, the three locations. But I think somebody pretty well-rounded like Owen is going to be able to do well at main break and I'd, I'd actually pick him to, to go all the way in the event I think 100% he's going to go pretty strong pretty far I, I didn't even really think about him but you think back to how he was at Bells and then I think he's looked pretty spicy the entire time since he had a bit of an unlucky unlucky run at it but yeah it's a good pick I didn't even think about him yeah so there are a lot of guys that can do well, especially over the course of a bunch of different heats and a bunch of different waves. How do you think Kanoa is going to be going after taking that win and being able to translate that into into surfing a, a completely different wave? I think he's going to struggle pretty hard this event, only because only because he's just so small. I know his timing's perfect. I know he's got a really good forehand whip on him and everything like that but I think this location across all three locations are going to be super exposing of his weaknesses if he you know mainly just if it's big and unruly or, or hard read on the lineup it's not like a Karama setup where Kanoa can just sit there and wait for the really good one and, and he's on the exact right spot it's a big football field playing 
size area and I think that's going to expose a guy that's just not as comfortable in those sort of conditions. I think Canoa will really struggle to adjust coming from Bali, going back across it onto a you know, three mil weddy or whatever they're wearing over there and having to swap up locations. Are you saying you're one of his haters? I'm not his biggest fan, but I think he surfs okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big statement uh, to say about someone who just won a CT. But yeah, as far as his adjustment, I think it'll be interesting to see how he takes not only the the challenge of, of coming fresh off an event win, especially so soon after he had that win and having to endure that travel that we talked about. But I think it'll be really interesting to see how he comes up against some of those lower seats now that he's actually pegged in that, that higher bracket where he's going to come up against more of your rookies and those guys who I think historically are going to struggle a bit more at a wave where experience is going to, is going to pay off. Let's talk Julian real quick because I know we tend to cover him a lot, but his, his early exit at, at Karama's really put him off the pace again even further in the title. He needs a result to get his, his mind back in the game. I think his world title chances are, are kind of fleeting. Flickering. Flickering at, at the moment, and he, he really needs to see you know, a result here. It, out West is a location that does suit him. I mean, he, he's had the th- equal third most consistent guy out here. It could be a good event to get him back on track. Lukey, how do you see your favourite surfer fairing over there? Yeah, the waves do suit him over there, but, I mean, snapper should suit him. Bali should suit him. He just needs to get his head in the game and a couple of early exits. Hopefully he pulls the finger out and gets the ball rolling. He's going to need to go hard in the, in like the next three events just to cover some ground and jump back up into top 10 territory. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And I mean, other guys to note that have had decent results that I am interested to see how they go. Guys like Jack Freestone, um, coming third last year. I think that was a, a great result for him. That's one that really kind of kicked him into gear on tour. And even Philippe coming third last year. I think Philippe's starting to prove himself a bit more in waves like this. It's what he needs to do to become a real competitor. He, he He's there to win the world title. I think he's a contender at the moment. And as he improves more and more in waves like this, he's going to be able to take that to the next level and become a serious world title threat. At the end of every every year he tends to just kind of fade off and and he doesn't seem like he's been that much of a threat but i think once he really starts capitalizing on these these events which you'd kind of peg as being his weakness i think that's where where he'll start kind of that's where he'll put him put his hat in the in the ring it's only a matter of time with philippe he's improved so much since that code red style chopu swell where he accidentally got injured the day before the event he's now a pretty serious threat even when the waves are big so honestly if he doesn't go close this year, he's going to go close next year and for the 10 years after that. He's so young. He's starting to really get that rail game down. It could be his event. Yeah, it definitely could. Yeah, that rail game of Alipis, I think he'll he'll be looking to try and match the John John performance in those big Margie rights. He can get it on rail like John and he's seen it in J-Bay where he lays it all down and goes full bomb. I think he'll be looking to put in one of those kind of performances in the right Margies. If he can just fill the wave out at Margies like John can with his calves, he'll go close to winning. He, he just gets a bit sort of, he doesn't quite fill the, the same surface area as John does on the face of the wave, and that's probably why he lacks a little bit in bigger waves. He still gets caught up thinking he's surfing a four-footer, not an eight-footer. 
Mm. Yeah, and I think that's you know, that's the big difference between guys who I mean we said it, it's kinda like the the women's how we, we were talking about they uh specialised in surfing, not those those barely waves that you tend to get on tour now that they're kinda getting morphed into. I think Philippe he's practiced and, and he knows his strong points which is those smaller waves, but he's developing it it'll be interesting to see how he goes, not only this year but in, in the years to come. So I think Margaret River Pro should be a, an exciting event. At least they have a, a couple of swells kind of lined up where we're going to see some action. I hope they get the chance to, to mix up the location a little bit and, and show us the best of the West, um, not only in waves, but also performances. It's an event that always kind of churns out a real deserving winner. So I'm excited to, to see sort of the next two weeks. Yeah, fingers crossed the big bodies stay away and we, we actually get a bit of action. Yeah, of course. Luke, anything to add? Nah, that's it. Let's just hope for big ones. That's not big bodies. <laughs> big waves, not big bodies. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll be keeping a close eye on the action and we'll, we will be back with a roundup of the event at its conclusion. Thank you for joining me, Luke. Thank you, Brady and Nick. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. All right. We'll be back soon. I like-